encourage you to take your Bibles and turn with me to the book of Ephesians. The book of Ephesians. We've been, uh, for the last several weeks, we've been speaking about godly principles for godly living. And we've been looking at different passages, scriptures of giving us instruction of how to live in this world that we're living in today as a believer. One of the most darkest periods of World War II was during the time of the collapse of France. This was before the United States entered into the war. Winston Churchill gave one of the most tremendous speeches that has ever been given. And this is what he said. What General Wagan called the Battle of France is over. I expect that the Battle of Britain is about to begin. And upon this battle depends upon the survival of Christian civilization. No greater word of prophecy could have ever been spoken than it was spoken at that time by Winston Churchill. We know by history that what he said came to true to life. But I come before you today, and I am aware that as I study the scriptures as well as in my own walk in spiritual life, that we are in another battle. This is not a visible battle. It is what is known as an invisible battle, which is a spiritual battle. And every single one of us are experiencing some type of spiritual conflict within our lives. The problem with so many people today is they're not showing up for the battle. They have literally stayed in the barracks. They've waved their white flag and they have surrendered to the enemy. Yet the Apostle Paul lays down before us that there is a real spiritual battle. But it's amazing to me how people are so flippant in this hour that we're living in today. All you've got to do is look around in our society and we can see the attacks of Satan upon our nation, upon our homes, upon our own lives like we have never seen before. A lot of people are like the drunk that I heard of. He was driving down the wrong way of the street and the policeman pulled him over and he says, didn't you see the arrows? He said, Arrows? He said, I didn't even see the Indians. (laughs) Well, a lot of people today not only are not aware of the reality of the moment, and therefore they're coming under attack and falling to great defeat. I quoted this passage of Scripture, or I quoted this quote one time before by General Douglas MacArthur. And nothing could be so truer in our Christian life. And he says, in war, there is no substitute to victory. 
So therefore, my friend, I titled my message, Sound the Alarm. Let the trumpets blow. Get out of our barracks and let's come and realize that there is an enemy at hand and that we are to fight the good fight as the Apostle Paul states. But you know what? A lot of times people look at Satan in many ways and don't look at him in the, a way that the Scriptures teaches us the way we look to look at. So it remind me of a football coach. One of his football players, college football players, had just graduated. And so he thought he'd give the young man a chance to become a coach. And he said, son, he said, I want you to become one of my recruiters. And the young man was so excited about it. He says, yes, coach. He says, uh, what type of player would you like me to get? He says, well, I'll tell you the type of player that I want you to, to get. He says, now you go out, and there's this guy that knocks this guy, other guy down, and he just stays down on the ground. And that young boy looked at the coach. He said, we don't want that kind of player, do we? The coach says, no. He says, then there's this other guy. He knocks him down. He gets back up, he knocks him back down, and he stays down. He said, well, coach, we don't want that kind of player, neither do we. He said, no. He says, no. Then there's this guy. He knocks him down, he gets back up. He knocks him down again, he gets back up. He knocks him down again, and he gets back up. He said, coach, he said, that's the kind of player we want, isn't it? He says, no. I want you to find the guy who keeps knocking him down. My friend, I want you to understand, that's what God's calling Christians today. That instead of us being on the defense, we ought to be on the offense. The Bible tells us to resist the devil, and what? He'll flee from you. And therefore, as you look at that passage of Scripture, that is a passage of Scripture of a picture of offense. Nowhere in the Bible will you ever find that the Bible says that you're to flee from, from the enemy. You're to flee from Satan. Now, the Bible does say that we're to flee from fornication. We're to flee from sin. We're to run as fast as we can away from that temptation that will literally destroy us. But nowhere in the Bible does the Bible say that we're to run from the devil. We're to be on the offense. And I think it's high time that believers recognize you don't have to run from Satan, but that you can stand your ground. Now, how do you do that? Well, I'm glad you asked that question because Paul lays out before us exactly how to do that. Ephesians chapter 6. And we're going to begin reading in verse 10 and following. And he lays out before us about putting on the whole armor of God. With your Bibles open, would you stand with me in reverence of reading God's holy word? Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Do you, do you get the picture? He's not saying, Christians, you're to cower down to the enemy, but you need to be strong. 
Stand. Listen to the words he gives us. He says, with the power of God's might. I think of the picture of David and Goliath. Goliath being that picture of Satan himself towering down upon a little 16, 17-year-old young man. And David, instead of running and fleeing, he says, I go in the name of the Lord. And we know the results of that. By that hurling of that rock, he cast that rock into the temple of that mighty giant. And he came tumbling down. That was your first rock and roll there. I just thought of that. I'm going to be chasing a rabbit in a minute. I better get back to the scriptures. Listen to what the Bible says. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. There's that word stand again. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand, there's that word again, in the evil day, having done all to stand. Stand, therefore having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace, above all, taking the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench the fiery darts of the wicked one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit. Being watchful to this end. And with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. And for me, that utterance may be given to me that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. God, thank you for so precious scripture that you've given given to us here today. Thank you for the word of God that reminds us That we don't have to be on the defense, but we can be on the offense. And yet, the enemy is real, and we do not need to take him lightly. And so, Father, may the Holy Spirit of God will protect us here today. For I'm well aware that the enemy is going to try to distract. He don't want us to know these truths. And he wants to get our minds moving in another direction. And so, Father, help us. May we hide behind the cross and may the anointing and the filling of your Holy Spirit be upon us. And may thus saith the Lord will speak here today. 
In Jesus we pray. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. In a very simple way, but very deep theologically, God has led the Apostle Paul to lay down before us some spiritual truths here today about spiritual warfare. As I am speaking right now, there's a warfare that is going on. And that warfare is going on in your head and in your minds. And I'm well aware that as I attempt to speak before you today, that Satan would try to do everything he possibly can to counterattack of what I'm trying to say to you. That's why I say very reverently and prayerfully that this is a very serious moment. A moment that we need to come to basic training. And in that basic training, learn at least three dynamic truths that the Scriptures lays out before us. First of all, you'll notice as you go back and look in verse 12, that you and I need to realize the attack that you face. You need to realize the attack that you face. Look what he says there in verse 12. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the spiritual, or rulers of the darkness of this age, and against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly place. Going on right now in our head and in our heart, there are what is known as fiery darts. Fiery darts. It is a real spiritual battle. I don't know what kind of week you've had this week, but I promise you, if you've tried to walk with the Lord, you've had an encounter with Satan. And Satan will do everything in his power to try to sidetrack you in getting you to become that believer which is known as an overcomer. That you have come to a point and a place in your spiritual life that you have recognized that the truth that the Scripture teaches us, greater is he that is within me than he that is in this world. That God has given me spiritual power to be able to stand against the wiles of the enemy. Now, the Bible says it's an invisible war. But just because it's an invisible war does not mean that it's not a real war. It said this, I wish it was visible sometimes. At least you know and you can see the enemy. But the enemy, he will attack you when you least expect it. The enemy will recognize when you're at your weakest point sometimes. And he will hurl all of his spiritual warfare against you at that weakest moment. Because, see, he realized there's something that's at jeopardy. He realizes that your peace and your joy that you have in the Lord Jesus Christ is at jeopardy. He realizes that your home is at jeopardy. He realizes that your children is at jeopardy. And that that 
however he may win the battle, and if he wins the battle and defeats you, that he can win not only the battle over you, but also those that are around you. So, he's a very conniving individual. See, when you got saved, God not only put salvation in your heart, but God put a sword in your hand. Because he said at the moment of salvational experience, you went into warfare. You are no longer one of his children, as the Bible says. But now you have become a child of the king. You have become a warrior. You have become an ambassador. You have become a child that is in likeness of his father. And the devil has every aim and ambition to try to thwart and distort that image in your life. He knows he cannot destroy your salvation. He knows that no man can pluck you out of the Father's hand. But yet he realizes and recognizes he can destroy your testimony. And he can destroy your life even though that you are a believer. It amazes me of the number of believers today whose homes are literally being destroyed. And it seems like that Christians are at the high percentage rate as much as the non-Christian is in divorces today. And I want you to understand, I believe with all my heart that Satan has his biggest arrows aimed at moms and dads today. He has his biggest errors because he knows that if he can defeat you, Dad, he will defeat your family. And so therefore, he's attacking. We look at our children and I I challenge you as parents, I, I encourage you to pray constantly to put a hedge of protection around your children. Go into their, their, their bedrooms. Go into your homes. And literally begin to march around those, those borders. And begin to pray, God, I ask you in the name of Jesus that you'll bring armed angels surrounding and protecting my household. Protect my children as they go off to school. Protect my children as they go off to college. And as it's almost as if we're just throwing them out there into a world of sin. And if they have not been trained and if they have not been protected and prayed over, my friend, they're sitting ducks. God has placed you in the responsibility to not only to prepare yourself, but to prepare your household. Paul says in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 7, he came down to the end of the road of life, and he says, I have fought a good fight. I didn't back up, I didn't shut up, but I stepped up to the plate. And now as I come to the end of the road of life, I now began to realize I have fought that good fight. C.S. Lewis, one of the greatest thinkers that has ever lived, made a statement that I want you to think about just for a moment. 
He says there is no neutral ground in the universe. Every square inch, every split second is claimed by God and counterclaimed by Satan. Counterclaim. My friend, if you won't claim your home, Satan will claim it. You won't claim your life for the cause of Christ, Satan will claim it. Same goes for our nation, same goes for our church. Oh, my friend, Satan would rather nothing any better to happen than to come and to destroy. Jesus came to seek and to save. Satan came to seek and to destroy and to bring destruction. And we look around us and we see lives as they are on the roadside, shattered with destruction. Families and homes and children. So number one, he says, realize. Realize the attack that you face. But number two... Look with me in verse 11. Realize the adversary that you fight. In order to go to battle, and in order to win the battle, you've got to know who the enemy is. Now, Satan is the enemy. How do you know that? Well, the Bible tells us. Look what he says in verse 11. Put on the whole armor of God, that you may be able to stand against the wiles of who? The devil. The devil. Some people say, ah, pastor, you really believe that there's a real personal devil? I mean, come on. We live in a society today with great intellect that uh, we're not going to lower ourselves to thinking that the devil is a real person. And what they do, they look upon him as a mythical type of being, such as a Santa Claus or a bunny rabbit or, or, or something of that nature, and they try to classify him. They, they see him as the little man on the potted meat. He said the, got the, got the uh, pitchfork in his hand, got the little red suit, got the horns, and they laugh at him. Well, you know, that's exactly what Satan wants you to do. If he gets you to laugh at him, you don't take him serious. But my friend, I want you to understand, he's real. He's real and he's powerful and you need to recognize how real he is. Now, let me, make, let me warn you for a few minutes. If you're not careful, you'll go from one extreme to the other and there's people that does that. There are some that will go to the extreme of thinking, well, he's just a mythical individual. He's not real, so therefore we don't have to take him, uh, take him serious. And, uh, so, and yet they're a lot like the prize fighter, I understood, that what happened to him. Prize fighter was in fighting one day, and, and every round he would, get, he would literally get beat to death. And his trainer would set him down, and he says... Uh, Hang in there, tiger. He hadn't touched you yet. Hang in there, tiger. He hadn't touched you yet. And he did that for about seven rounds. And after about the seventh round, he said, well, you better look at that referee. He said, because somebody's beating me to death. (laughs) 
Well, my friend, there's a lot of people being beat to death by Satan. And they're thinking seriously that nobody is real. But then, not only that, those that don't think that he's very real, then there's some that see a devil behind every corner. Behind every rock, they see that there's a devil. And they become so super spiritual. The devil is this and the devil is that. And and that's all they ever focus upon is the devil, the devil, the devil. So it reminds me of one lady that she was going to the church picnic. And she was super spiritual. And she asked this lady, she says, what are you bringing to the picnic? She said, I'm bringing deviled eggs. And immediately she said, in the name of Jesus, I bind them. Well, Well, friend, I want you to understand... You can go from one extreme to the other. You understand what I'm talking about? But I think that what we got to do, you need to come to an understanding of the characteristics of Satan. Number one, Satan is not omnipresent. He cannot be everywhere at every time at every moment. He's not omnipresent. And neither is he omniscient. He doesn't know all things. My friend, I want you to understand, he's not all-powerful. He's not sovereign. And you need to realize that this one that we are in battle with, he is not on the same level as God is. And when you come to a point and an understanding that he he is not on the same level as God is, you begin to realize what a resource you have through the Lord Jesus Christ. Satan has already been defeated, my friend. He was defeated at Calvary 2,000 years ago. He's on a war path. And he is trying to defeat, and he will defeat if you don't recognize the resources that you have within your own power of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so therefore, my friend, you need to realize, you need to realize the adversary that you fight. Now, I want you to go back to verse 11 just for a moment. He, Paul uses an interesting word there. Look what he says in verse 11. You might want to underline this word. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles. That word wiles is the word we get method from. In fact, the word Methodist comes from this word. It literally means method. If you really want to take the character of Satan, you could really change that word to trickery. Temptation. He is using that word, Paul is using that word as reminding us of deceit. He wants to deceive you. For example, you look at our... our, uh, TV today, and you see TV advertisement. Have you ever seen when they were advertising alcoholic beverage, showing a picture of a man that uh, is uh, uh, in a drunken stupor? Have you ever seen them ever show a picture where a man was in the gutter, drunk? Have you ever seen a picture 
uh, that they had shown when they had a terrible, terrible automobile accident caused by drunk driving. You never see those things. But you know that it's true. You know that that is a realization and a reality of what takes place when you take on uh, alcoholic beverages in an excessive manner. But what are those? They view it as grab all the gusto, gusto you can. Live it up. Have a joyful time. Be happy. That's the trickery of Satan. That's the deceit of Satan. He never will tell you the full picture. He never will tell a young boy, a young girl, as they are encountering that love with one another, or they call it love, it's really more lust. And the devil never will tell them about the possibility of the sexual problems that will come when there is a relationship. An unwanted child. And then how so many will follow that through abortion. So you see how Satan uses one thing and then he begins to, it's like dominoes and it just continues to get worse and worse and worse. I think it's interesting. Just recently, I think it was on TV, uh, what is this uh, new app that men and women have been uh, applying to to have sexual affairs? And it's been hacked into and names and addresses is being exposed. I'm sure that every single one that tapped into that app never dreamed that they would ever be found out. Brennan and I was talking about that the other day. And I said... They ought to be found out. The Bible does tell us, does it not? Be sure your sins will find you out. Satan will never tell you that, my friend. He will never tell you that you'll be found out. And then what will come from that? Embarrassment. Destruction of testimony. Destruction of marriage. Destruction of relationship. Destruction written all over the place. But my friend, I want you to understand, as someone put it this way, God loves you and He has a wonderful plan for your life. Well, I'd like to go one step further and to tell you that God hates you and He has a terrible plan for your life. What did I say? Oh, I'm sorry. (laughs) Forgive me, Lord. (laughs) I told you the devil was alive and well. Man, I'm on holy ground. (laughs) Satan, thank you for correcting me. Satan has a terrible plan for your life. And he wants to destroy you. And that's exactly what his desires is. God wants you to be happy and holy. Satan wants you to be miserable and destroyed. My friend, remember this as you study this passage of Scripture. Realize 
the attack that you face. Realize the adversary that you fight. And then realize the advantage that we feel. Look what he says in verse 11 again. Put on the whole armor. He didn't say put on some of the armor. But he says put on the whole armor of God. That you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. That you may be able to stand. Now God has given you a promise. He's given you a command here, and then he in return has given you a promise, the whole armor. And then he says, once you put it on, keep it on. I've said it before, and I say it again. Every morning when you get up to go to work or go to school or to go wherever you're going, what do you do? You get up out of bed. You go through a process. You go through a process of putting on your clothes. You go through a process of brushing your teeth and combing your hair and and preparing for the day. But the problem with so many Christians today is they don't continue that process spiritually. So as you're putting on your clothes, you ought to be reminded that I need to be putting on my armor. For today I am going to be confronted some way, somehow, somewhere with the enemy. And if I am not properly dressed, I will fall to the enemy every single time. Now you notice as the Apostle Paul lays that out before us today. He's not saying there's going to be any furloughs. There's not any truces. There's not any leave of absences. He is literally saying that there is a real battle. And so therefore, as I began to realize that when the Spirit of God came into my heart and Christ is living and dwelling, He comes with all of His fullness into my life. He comes with all of his fullness so that I might be able to withstand. And he lays down before us the garments of weaponry. He talks about that. Look what the Bible says as he, as he reminds us of putting on the armor of God. Take, therefore, the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, having done all to stand. Stand, therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith with which you may be able to quench all of the fiery darts of the enemy. He just got through describing a Roman soldier that is getting ready to go to battle. I was reading back during World War II that some of our warships, that the bulkhead of some of our warships, that that's the side of the ship where it becomes very vulnerable. 
to the enemy. That the thickness of steel would be as, as thick as 24 inches thick. And the reason of it was, was for protection. That when a torpedo or, or when a gun firing or, or something of that nature that's coming from the enemy, to try to destroy that ship, that there is an extra waistband around that warship. I thought, my goodness. That's exactly what God's done to us. He's put upon us a breastplate of righteousness. What does the breastplate cover? It covers the heart. It covers the vital organs of our our body. It covers the things that, that helps us to be alive and to function. And he tells us to put on the breastplate. My friend, I want you to understand, Satan runs when he sees a breastplate because he knows in reality that there is no way that he can defeat you. I remember reading one time a book by Jeffrey Ward called The Civil War. And on the eve of Gettysburg, a bunch of the men had gathered together in the camp. And they had been talking, and all they had been talking about was... Robert E. Lee, Robert E. Lee, Robert E. Lee. And uselessly, S. Grant said, I'm sick and tired of hearing about Robert E. Lee. You think that he's going to come and just turn somersaults and win the battle. I don't want to hear anything else about Robert E. Lee. I want to hear about what we're going to do to Robert E. Lee. My friend, I think that's what God is saying to us today. Instead of defending ourselves in a manner of thinking, oh, Satan's going to attack, we need to be on the attack. And quit saying what Satan's going to do to us and start saying what we're going to do to him. My friend, I heard a preacher pray the other day. He was talking about he wanted revival so bad that revival would break out in the church so bad that the devil would start praying for the rapture. My friend, that's exactly what I want. God is so alive. And as He is alive in you and alive in me, that Satan hits the trail and be gone. For greater is He that's within me than he that is in the world. Be of good cheer, my friend. You are on the winning side. Lord Jesus, thank you for your precious word. Thank you for how you've spoken to our hearts here today. Thank you, dear Lord, that we can rebuke Satan and the demons of hell in the name of Jesus Christ. And that through his, through your blood, we are able to renounce his power and gain and experience the victory 
that Jesus has promised us through the cross and the resurrection. Lord, I'm sure I'm talking to some people here today. And Lord, that who have been wrestling with the enemy and they find themselves falling to defeat. Oh, dear God, encourage them. Remind them that through you we have victory. And that through that victory we can be an overcomer. Thank you for promising and delivering such a great, great, special truth. Lord, there's people here today that's never trusted Jesus as their Savior. And I'm sure that right now the enemy is trying to hinder them, whether it's through pride or whatever it may be, to keep them from coming forward. There's some people here today that needs to come and to say, you know, I have been negligent on putting on the armor of God. But as of today, I come forward, I get, a, I get around an old-fashioned altar, and I ask you to put on that armor upon this body, this life. There's some here today that you have called to be a part of the fellowship of this church, whether by baptism, by statement, whether by letter. Lord, give them the freedom. Don't allow Satan to win the victory. For in Jesus' name, we claim that victory. For we ask it in his name. Amen.